Now, I, I asked a few moments ago who believed and so on in, in Jesus and is the word of God true to you and so forth. And this is not going to be a sermon of uh, brimstone and fire. Okay. But even in brimstone and fire, there's redemption if you can truly hear what God is saying to you. But wanted to say that in starting, there's coming a day when we will all give an account of our lives to God. There's coming a day when we will all give an account of our lives to God. Go to Romans 14. Romans 14. Like I said, we can all say that we believe in God, that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that His Word is true, but deep down inside, what do you really believe? And we are all going to be held accountable one day. And again, not fire, not fire and brimstone here, but just speaking truth. Romans 14, verse number 11. Number 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us shall give account to God. Unbelievers, the fearful, liars, immoral people, and many others will be cast into the lake of fire. Go to Revelation. The book of Revelation. Revelation 21. We're going through end times discussion in Bible study, and uh, one of the things that we will be seeing in the book of Revelation, what, what's been prophesied there and of things to come. Revelation 21, verse number 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He that overcometh, please underline, he that overcometh. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, the fearful and unbelieving, unbelieving, and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Okay? And we know that that second death is the eternal state that the wicked will be in, and that's, death is always separation from God. So can you imagine living eternity? And eternity is a long time, folks. It doesn't end at 2.45 p.m. on such and such a day. It's a long time. It's indeed eternal. The thing is, for believers in Jesus Christ, we need to repent of all these things and be washed clean by God. God will wash us many times while we are learning to overcome sin. But if we basically want to keep the sin and don't repent, there is every chance that we could come under the horrifying condemnation at the end of our mortal days. God is not and will not be mocked. For believers who have repented of these things, there is still an evaluation of our works in life. We still need to evaluate what's going on in our lives. The difficulty here is that many are not evaluating their lives according to God's standards, but rather according to what other Christians seem to be doing. Okay? I'll repeat that. The difficulty here is that many Christians are not evaluating their lives according to God's standards, but rather they're evaluating their lives according to what other Christians seem to be doing. Many Christians are occupied with the standards of this world. 
and neglect the things that God says are important. It's so easy for us to do that. We try to conform to a standard of outward appearance, but tolerate the presence of all kinds of ugly attitudes, selfishness, and prayerlessness on the inside where God is looking. Many times, even though we are Christians, and this is not a dump on Christians message, but it's merely something here that we as children of God need to really think about. That many times we're not looking or thinking about the things that inside that God looks at. It is a fact that many will applaud you if you do well financially. Money is power in this world, and those who have it can buy influence and honor. Honor, and I put that honor in quotes, all right? Yes, you can buy honor in this world by making some philanthropic donations. You can be so that you want to give to everyone. You can make big donations to your children's school. Or maybe by setting up your own school for destitute children. Okay, you can give big money to those people that are, 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 don't have uh, food and don't have clothing. You can do all of those things. You can buy a house in the best neighborhood and join clubs with the right kind of people. There are so many ways to gain the esteem of man, to gain the esteem of man if you have money. So therefore many Christians get so preoccupied with money. But Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon or God and money. Let's go to Luke 16. Luke 16. Luke 16. And we look at verse number 13. Luke 16. Verse 13. Wait for everyone to get there. Okay. We're at Luke 16, starting with verse 13. Praise God. Starting with verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. And he said unto them, You are they which justify yourselves before men. Please underline, you are they that which justify yourselves before men. Underline justify yourselves before men especially. You are they that justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. Please underline. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Underline all of that too. Okay, so that which is esteemed important to men can be an abomination in the sight of God. Okay? The law of the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Okay, so this is, this is truth. This is truth. So what he's saying is that many times men, we look at the importance of, 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 of who holds us in high regard. Who thinks so highly of us. That is not where God looks. This is what men focuses on. Okay? So the, the message today is whose standard do you follow? Do you follow God's standard? Or do you follow man's standard? Now earlier, like I said, before we started the actual message, by a show of hands, I asked who believed in Jesus Christ and who believed that the word of God was true. And everyone here raised their hands. And I said, how much do you really believe? Well, hear these words today. 
Because this might be impacting your life and you might not realize it. This might be holding back some blessings that you're really seeking, that you're really looking for, but you might not realize it. And we can wind up, wind up following or going behind man's standards so easily that we don't even realize that we're doing it. Amen? So whose standard do you follow? God's or man's? While men may regard you as successful and esteem you, esteem you if you have a lot of money or real estate, it does not imply that God, God regards you highly at all. And the danger in pursuing these things is that in doing so, we may neglect things that God values much more. If we do not place all of the emphasis on the commandments and teachings of Jesus. So while we're laboring and toiling to be pleasing in the eyes of others, and those eyes could be your boss, it could be a co-worker, it could be a peer, it could be your mother, it could be your father, your brother, your sister. It could be an unbeliever, believe it or not. That we are trying so hard to uh, be in high esteem or in good graces with someone. That we're not even following God's plan for our lives. God is wishing to get you from point A to maybe point K. Jumping B, C, D, and E. But you're so busy missing God's standards that you're following man's ways. And what's important to man. That you're not even hearing what God has in mind for you. Because God is looking on the inside. If we heard as much about the teaching of, teachings of Jesus as building funds and collections for this and that and this and that for a new air conditioner in many churches, we'd be doing so well. If we heard more of that coming from the pulpit. If you go to Isaiah 66, go to Isaiah 66, praise the living God. This is a message here is food for thought. So many times we need to do some self-reflection. We focus on what we're doing or what we are achieving, where we're running to, where we're running from, what are we accomplishing, accomplishing, but what are we doing about relative to ourselves? Chapter 66, verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Okay? But unto this man, this is the person that I look at, to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. God's not looking for the person that has umpteen billions of dollars and is doing that and doing this and doing that. Oh, I built, you know, I built the house of Michael that's dedicated to all these poor children, all the sick children. I did this and I did that and I did that. But what is really deep within your spirit? God is impressed. Um, God said, that the, I'm sorry, the, the uh, word there says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool, and so on, as we just read. Okay, but on this one will I look, him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. God is impressed by people who fear him and tremble at his word. God highly esteems those who fear him and hate evil. Now, the fear we're talking about here is not fear like in the boogeyman or some monster. It's the reverence of God. How many of us revere God? Hold God in high esteem. How many of us really can praise Him and worship Him? 
If we hold God be highly in high esteem and we really think highly of him and we really praise him, then we should be able to demonstrate that in our praise to him. God looks at your spirit. If your thoughts are so wandering around that you can't even praise God, you can't lift your hands and lift your voice and praise Him, and it's coming from your spirit, that is what God looks at. He doesn't look look at, at all the millions of other things that you may be doing. What is really deep within your spirit? Ultimately, we will be judged by the standard of God's word. God is impressed by people who fear him and tremble at his word. God highly esteems those who who fear him and hate evil. God is not impressed with prayerless people who play fast and loose with his commandments. No matter how big their church building is or how many houses they have in in, in a rich neighborhood. He's not impressed by that. Ultimately, we will be judged by the standard of God's word. We may have called Jesus Lord, but did we even seek to keep his word? How quickly we call Jesus Lord, but do we really seek to keep his word? Did we deny ourselves daily so that we could truly love God and others? Did we deny ourselves? Did we place communion with God in prayer as a higher priority than sleeping or going out with a friend? Who do you put first? One of the darnest things that I've seen over the many years in in ministry is that so many people will, and I'm not putting anyone under condemnation, but it's, it's, it's a matter of fact. I could not make it out. I could not make it to church. I could not do this. I could not do that. Well, what happened? Oh, so-and-so called me right before it was time to leave and asked for help. And I felt I had to go down to help them. Well, guess what? Just when the Lord is wanting you to come to church or to be someplace to where he wants to minister to you, The devil will indeed get out there through someone else and say, oh, can you come and do this? Can you come and do that? I'm looking for a new house. I'm looking for a new house. Can you go with me to a showing? Oh, what time is it? 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, just when on Sunday, just when it's church service. How many house showings do you notice in the neighborhoods? They're always on, on Sunday most of the time. The Little League games and things like that, they're always on Sunday. So whose priority, whose standard are you operating by? Have you sacrificed and denied yourself so that you can be with God? I'm tired. Wake up and look out the window. It's pouring down rain or it's snowing. The roads are slick. Oh boy, it's so cold outside. It would sure be nice to just turn back over and just go back to sleep. I'll get a cup of coffee afterwards, put on the game, and I'll have a good day on Sunday. What about denying yourself? God looks at your heart. God looks at your heart. Again, I'm not trying to sow condemnation. We all miss church. We all miss various things dealing with God from time to time. That that is natural. It's a normal part of life. But what I'm saying to you is that watch and see where the temptations come from that would keep you from hearing the word of God. Watch where they come from. I know someone that had someone almost every single Sunday call with a need for help was an older person and so we all want to help elderly people happened once happened twice happened three times I'm going to be uh uh something is not right here the very time that you miss communing with God may be the time that God has a word for you has a message for you has something that he wants to say to you something that you need to hear that will get you out of the position that you're in that will get you that get you closer to where God wants you to be 
Did we ever endeavor to fulfill the great commission as written in the Bible of making disciples in all nations? Did we even endeavor to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus ourselves? Did we ever endeavor to really want to learn of Jesus? Jesus sent out the 70 and so on to, to, to evangelize. And, and whether or not you are called to true mass evangelization, God may want you to minister to some individual that comes across your path. But instead of being a closet Christian and hiding who you are, you know. And how do you spot that? It's very easy for you to spot because when someone is talking to you, I mean, especially if they're a non-believer and they're laying something really important on your heart, you'll feel an unction. Holy Spirit is in you. Everyone here claimed that they believe that Jesus is God and believe in Jesus. You believe in the word of God. Therefore, you're spirit filled. You'll feel an unction in your Holy Spirit to say so and so. Tell them about Jesus. But many times we as Christians, we will pull back. We'll pull back, either because this is a very popular person or something, and I don't want to alienate them from me. I don't want them to stop liking me, and if I tell them that, let them know that I'm a, I'm, I'm a Jesus believer, that they may run in the other direction, and you'll feel Holy Spirit telling you. Do you speak up and say something to them? God may have given you the answer to their, to their, to their problem, but do you speak it out? We've all seen those silly teen flicks on TV and in the movies, especially in a high school, where there's always, you know, three or four of these girls who are the, 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 the high and posh and pumpish this and what they used to call valley girls, like the valley girls, and, and people in the school wanted to be like them and wanted to be a part of the clique, you know, okay? But yes, though, they shunned everybody and people would bend over backwards to please them. Well, you can't let yourself become like that. I know whenever I saw people like that in high school, I went the other way. I said, I don't want to be like them anyway. I mean, you know, they don't know what they're missing out on. Amen. But if you're talking to someone, but you are so concerned about alienating them or sending them further away from you, rather than tell them the truth that Holy Spirit may be giving you, then you are denying God in essence because you're putting him back on a, on a back burner and you're, you're feeling that person's standards are, 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 are what I'm following. Therefore, you're not following God. Did we care for widows and orphans, the poor, the hungry, and those that are in prison? On the day of judgment, these are the things which will matter the most. Okay? Every single year, we take up collections here at Christmas time and, and Thanksgiving for those that are hungry and, and needy. Okay? It's not that we, the church... Could not just simply make a donation on behalf of the church. But therefore, I would be denying you the opportunity of doing what the word of God says. And that is to give to the poor. But did Jesus say, um, um, you know, at that time you did not feed me, you did not clothe me and so forth. And they says, it was Lord Jesus, when was it that we didn't feed you and when you did we not clothe you? And Jesus said, what you did to the poor and what you did to them, to the least of them, that is what you did to me. So you ever stop and think that when you're not giving to God, you're not doing what God wants you to do. I mean, beyond your tithes. I'm talking about your offerings and things here, where it says here, the word of God says to, that we should be, be, be caring for the widows and the orphans and the poor and the hungry. Amen? Amen. Whose standard are you following? Oh, I always pray that may God, may God help us to honor his standards, even if doing so, we cannot always conform to the expectations and measures of human success. 
You've got to get away from wanting to please man and, for, and looking at their measurement of what is successful. You know, because what we as Christians oftentimes forget that if we are doing what God is calling us to do, guess what? God is going to make us successful. All right. But we put it on backwards. We, we, we got the whole game plan backwards here. We think that by pleasing men, we're going to become successful. And I can put God on the back burner. Well, why is that? Well, God doesn't complain. God is not in my face all the time. But you look to a man to raise you up the ladder. To give you this and to give you that. And putting God on the back burner. By whose standards are you living? God's or man's? Who are we looking to? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. And this is not, not, a, not a, a, a new problem. Or a new condition, I should say. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We, we almost kind of see it more today um, with all that's going on. In, in this country in particular, there's sort of a polarization between, between what is right and what is wrong and what people feel is right and what people feel is wrong. Okay? And if we're not caught up, we as Christians get swept up into that also. Because nowadays people are so quick that if you do not agree with a certain construct or if you do not agree with a certain frame of mind or frame of reference, that all of a sudden now it's resorted to name calling and you're a this and you're a that, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a this, you're, you're, you're a, 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 a what, do you, what do you call it, you're a, 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 against feminism and all of this. They start calling you all sorts of names. But the bottom line is your decision making should be done based on the word of God. Not on politics, what is not what is popular in today's world or in this country, but we see it coming to coming to, 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 to play more and more. So it's more important, I think, than in many years past that we have to decide whose standards are we going to follow? God's or man's standards. Okay? And we see here that this is, is nothing new. It just seems like now it's just marinating and popping up more. Second Corinthians chapter ten and just um Verse, this, this is verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves. Underline that commend themselves, then underline, but they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, underline, are not wise. Okay? Are not wise. They are measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Okay? Okay? So in other words, you're comparing yourself or the measurement, the standard that you're using is by people that are thinking exactly, exactly the way they all think. Okay? And, and these are still men. These are human beings. They measure themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. If you listen to Christians talking about success in the things of God, you will often hear talk of certain popular ministry brands or you will, that have come up over the last 20 or 30 years. We all know of the big ministries that are doing so much, and God bless them. God bless them for doing that. If we are always thinking about being bigger than some well-known church or more anointed than some well-known Christian, then we are measuring ourselves by ourselves. Follow what I'm saying there. This is heavy what the Word of God is saying. We lift up an organization or a body, a group, be it a church or be it some well-known ministry leader that is so anointed or some church that's doing such great work. 
We lift that, even that ministry leader up or that church as the standard. So we're comparing ourselves with ourselves. Okay? Okay? So they, if they look like this and they're big and they're doing that and we're doing that, and we're doing, okay, then we're comparing ourselves to them. Comparing themselves with themselves. Okay? Therefore, a standard of success is put up for Christians and Christian leaders to follow, with the implication that if you could somehow attain to that standard, you'd be placed on the map, or that you'll be considered to have made it. Now, there are many excellent things to say about the well-known ministry brands, but God is calling us to say excellent things firstly about Jesus Christ, and to seek to be like Him. And that should not be a mere religious cliche, but something we really think about on a conscious level. So in other words, before we go thinking about, I want to be like X ministry, or I want to be like X so-and-so, he's so anointed, he goes and he lays hands on people, and people are slain in the spirit, he preaches this, and, and millions are saved and everything, that's fine, and God bless them for doing that, okay? But then what we're doing is we're measuring our success by that person's standard, which is still a human being, Okay? All right? And you really don't know, you really don't know, you really don't know what's going on behind that human being. And again, I'm not knocking on any churches that are doing a fantastic job. There are many spirit-filled churches that are out there, many spirit-filled leaders in church that are doing wonderful things in the Word of God. But I'm just saying is that that human being, that church, that physical body cannot be your standard for measuring your success. Because you don't know what's going on behind we all know the story of the ministry that was followed by millions and millions of dollars. The leaders of the ministry were so well endowed with money that their dog had an air conditioning system in the doghouse. Okay? And it fell like a ton of bricks. The people were striving to be like them. And you don't know what's going on behind. Jesus Christ has to be our standard at all times, at all times, so that we're not comparing ourselves by ourselves. Okay, you follow what I'm saying there? It's very important that we do not let ourselves have, have, have other humans, regardless of how successful they are, or the organization is, that we're comparing ourselves to, uh, yourself to them, and then saying, boy, if I can just be like them, I'm going to be up here. Okay? Because the higher up you go like that, it just means it's a farther distance for you to fall. Because you don't know whether Jesus Christ is truly their model or not. Outwardly it will be, but you don't know what's in the hearts of those that are in leadership positions. There was a well-known minister some years ago. He was very famous and popular and everything like that. And, and I pray that, you know... Lord spoke to his heart and turned things around, but uh, um, where was he caught? In a compromising position in a motel with a woman that he was not married to. This is fact. It was out there. Some of you may know the name, if I won't call it, but, but you may remember the name. Caught in a hotel, motel, with a woman who wasn't his wife. And ever since then, his boom, did he plummet, but fast. But outwardly, he had the world, worldwide ministry. Okay? We can't model ourselves after ourselves. Ourselves being that the thing that we have in common is that we're Christian. Okay? So you've got to make sure that you're following um, uh, Jesus Christ. How many of us are seeking to be as disciplined as Jesus? How many of us are really following to be as disciplined as Jesus? As self-controlled? 
as passionate for the honor of God, the Father, how many of us are willing to be totally guided by Holy Spirit? Totally guided. Many times we will be seeking to do something and we will feel that we should do something in line with others that are around us, be it family, friends, or whatever. And you will go on and you'll, you will hear that, yeah, we're going to do this, that, or the other. And inside, deep in your spirit, you will feel that, no, I shouldn't do that. No, I shouldn't go there. No, I shouldn't say that. Holy Spirit could be talking to you. All right? But you change your mind and you decide to go along because it's the popular thing to do. It would be, quote, unquote, the best thing to do in your, in your rational human thinking. But how many of us are really guided by, by Holy Spirit? How many of us are guided by, by Jesus Christ? Amen? 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 Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Many times we are running so much that we don't even have time to think on these things. Many times we are going so much we don't stop to think about what is my standard, you know. And, and you, can, you can just do kind of a, a, an inventory of your life on a day-to-day basis. What you do from the time you get to work, what you do from the time you get to school, what you do from the time you get to wherever you're going. By whose standard are you conducting what it is that you're about to do? You know, your thought process. Someone calls you on the phone, let's go do so and so and so and so. Maybe Holy Spirit is saying, I need to talk to you. I remember one time, many years back, and I was praying before going to work. And I did my usual prayer and so forth like that. And I got up and get ready to go. And I felt like a tug on my arm that said, don't go yet. I need more time with you. Just like that. Deep in my spirit, don't go yet. I need more time with you. So I got back down on my knees and I went on and I prayed. I don't remember how long I was there. I may have been late for work that day. I'm not even sure. I don't remember. But I, I stayed. You know? God wants time to take, to, to talk to you. But whose standard do you go by? When Jesus needed to pray, remember the crowd was, he was going with the crowd someplace and he said, you go across the, the, the lake or the, the, the river there. And um, he went off up into the mountain to pray by himself. He took time. If you're not finding some time to pray to God and hear him back, commune with him, have a conversation with him, you may be missing out on the most important thing in your life. Okay? But by whose standard? The standard is for us to get to work on time, yes. God does not want us to not get to work timely. The Word of God speaks about that too. All right? But then if you need to be to work by a certain time and you want to spend time with God, then you've got to get up a little earlier. Amen? Because I guarantee you'll benefit from that. But whose standard do you live by? It's more important that I get to work than to be with God. All right? You're missing, you're missing something. Okay? How many of us are willing to be despised by men by putting God first? 
How many of us are willing to not worry about that I can't be a part of the clique of the valley girl, so to speak? Or I can't be a member of the, all of those jocks in the football team of the high school. I'm not popular as them. How many of us are worried about that? 1 Corinthians 1, starting with verse number 12. It'd be helpful if I got to 1 Corinthians 1. Amen. Now this I say. Uh, 1, yeah, verse 12. Now this I say. That every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Please in the line, not with the wisdom of words, unless the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Please in the line. Uh, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Please underline that also. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Underline that too. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Please underline, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, uh, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Please underline, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Please underline it. Pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But if we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. In other words, preaching the, Christ, uh, uh, preaching the unadulterated word of Christ to the Jews it was a stumbling block and to the Greeks it was appeared to be foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Please underline. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Please underline that also. Okay? Underline that also. How many of us are willing to be despised by men to look foolish and weak in the eyes of men, as Jesus did many times, in order to fulfill the perfect plan of God in our lives? Are we willing to endure setbacks to a worldly career in order to follow hard after the perfect will of God? Or are we merely having regard to what impresses the sons of this age? Things like glamour, glitz, wealth, and show. Okay? So what this word here is saying is that to those that don't know God, God's word and God's wisdom is foolishness. It's foolishness. So many times they don't want to be bothered. 
The Jews back then was considered to be a stumbling block. It was simply getting in their way. The Greeks, as you know, Greek civilization was very much on philosophizing and the mind and the body and so forth. And they would sit around for hours just philosophizing with about the many, the pantheon of gods that they had. But speaking the truth of the one God, speaking of Jesus Christ, was considered to be foolishness, you see. And many times today, as we move up, quote-unquote, move up the ladder, people will think that if you are, quote-unquote, religious, and especially if you are a Jesus freak, then you're really, you're not worth the time. If you're considered a Bible thumper, then you don't, you're not worthy of, of, of having any discussion with them. You see? You see? But that sort of attitude is foolishness to God. And God's way is much wiser. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. If the, in, if the external um, uh, 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 casing or the body is so, is so important to God, why was Jesus born in an animal's feeding trough? Okay? If the physical realities of life were so important, then why was Jesus born in a feeding trough? Why did Jesus enter Jerusalem on a donkey and not on a beautiful white stallion? Why did God choose the tiny nation of Israel rather than the quote-unquote impressive nation, say, of the Babylonians to reveal himself to the world? If pomp and circumstance and all of those things was important to God, why did he choose such humble surroundings and humble things to happen? It seems that God almost goes out of his way to hide himself it seems like God almost goes out of his way to hide himself from worldly-minded people. Don't expect to see God if you're going to be worldly-minded. Don't expect to hear from God if you're going to be worldly-minded. You know? If you want to please others, if you want to please your, your surroundings and your environment, and if everything is just me, 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 look at me and how good I look and all of that, don't expect to hear from God. Don't expect to hear from God if, if you're putting God on, on, on second, the second or the back gas burners. Don't expect to hear from God if things in your life that are so important uh, uh, do not include God or do not have God first. You know? It's so easy to want to get along with those that are around us or those that are in authority over us. It's so easy. But if they are doing anything, if they're living a life that is absent God, then you're really you're going down a really a foolish, a foolish path. seems that God almost wants to just hide himself from worldly-minded people. Last couple of scriptures here. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Okay, Luke chapter 10. Luke 10 verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through my name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Please underline, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. Please underline. That thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned, it, turned, uh, unto, he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. All right. So we see here that it says back up in verse number 21, in that hour Jesus rejoiced in his spirit and said, he was joyful when he said to God, I thank thee, O Father, Lord in heaven, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. The wise and the prudent cherish worldly wisdom without God's, without God's involvement. See, that's the problem. You can find people that are extremely successful. You can find people that make mega decisions, make very important decisions. All right? You may find some people that seem to be so wise and know so much about economics and this and that and this and that. Things that are important to men. Okay? But it's all non-God based. You follow behind people that are making decisions that are not based on God then they are the quote-unquote the wise and the prudent. You may find some people that know how to put together deals. You may find people that just know how to make money hand over fist and they just so this and that and just so, boy, oh boy, man, there's no stopping them. Okay? But God is not involved. You don't want to use them as your standard. You see? And because of the fact that they hold up this whole thing about being so wise and so knowledgeable and everything, God has chosen to hide the things that really matter from them. You see? God will not reveal the deeper things of himself to you until you get to the point in your life that you have a contrite spirit. That means that God is what's important. It's not about me. Lord, I tripped and I stumbled. God, please forgive me. I made a mistake. Lord, you are indeed master. I praise you, I love you, I bow down before thee. When you're not so proud that you can't display your affections and your love for God openly. When you get hung up like that, then you are holding back. And you, you, you're not really reverencing God. And as, as such, not my words, but as such, but how much can God reveal to you? Okay? You can't go around living behind a standard that men live or are guided by because then, you go, then you're going after the wise and the prudent instead of having God right there in your life or plugged into your life as your first choice, as the first one that you come to, the things in your life that are really, really, really important. The deeper things God has hidden from, from, from those people, okay? They will never, never understand that... If their child comes down sick with something that's really bad, they will never understand the foolishness when they say to you, 
Your child ever had this? Well, yeah, they did. What did you do? What doctor did you take them to? There's a specialist that lives in bingo, bingo town, you know. We're going to take him to him. Cost us a whole lot of money to get there. We're not sure how to do it, but we're going to get him there because he's known for this and known for that. What did you do when your child had it? I laid hands on him. I prayed. I anointed him with oil in the name of Jesus and prayed. We got together as a family. We we held hands around his bed. We kicked out that spirit of infirmity. They looked at you like this. You know, we bound up that demon of fear that was trying to sow fear in us parents to make us think that the child was going to die. We bound up and cast him out. But you didn't go to see Dr. Bingo Bingo and everything that? No, not at all. Okay. So look at you like you're foolish. You're some kind of looney tunes. Okay. Because to them, according to God, God's truths, God's secrets are hidden. From the wise and the prudent. They're too puffed up in themselves to even think and even dare dream. That simply crying out to God and doing what God says. And living behind the, the, the construct and, and the whole thing called Christianity. What God talks about the reality of the spiritual realm and things like that. That is total foolishness. It's poppycock. How many times have you read or heard some atheist on TV saying, you know, that, that myth that you call God. The foolishness. He or she will be held accountable. We just read the word of God says that every knee shall bow. Satan's knee shall bow. Okay? So who do you want to align yourself with? Who do you want to follow? God seems to despise the things that we would naturally choose as vehicles for the revelation of his, of his glory. The true image of God is found in the, in the records of the scriptures concerning Jesus Christ. He is our standard. He is our, our model. But if, if, but if, uh, if you said or, or can see by your lifestyle that I can see I have adopted others as my standard and model and their expectations as the guiding principles of my life, then here's an opportunity for you, you to repent. If you realize that you have let yourself follow the model of others, especially people that don't know the Lord, and you've kind of lived up to them as your standard, looked up to them as your standard, then now's a good time for you to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I was following the wrong path. Okay? Even judging ourselves by ourselves. If you're following after another quote-unquote Christian who is not really focusing on Jesus Christ as his or her model, then you need to move away from that. Because you've got to look to Jesus Christ first. And you see Jesus Christ there, in that ministry, in that person, in the life of that ministry, and you're hearing Jesus Christ, and that's where you align yourself. Otherwise, as I said, we are judging ourselves by ourselves. Okay? And not judging ourselves by Jesus Christ. That's our yardstick. That's our barometer in terms of whether we're doing or not doing the right thing. You see? You see? And, and those that don't know the Lord, honestly, they just can't see. And all of us here, I'm sure, have experienced that at one time or another. When you've tried to talk to someone else about the deep things of God, and you can see like they're talking right over your head. You know? 
It's also one that we hadn't seen, seen them from time to time. And, oh, yeah, we have to get back together sometime. And, you know, we can go fishing or go back out to the so-and-so and this and that, you know. And I said, yeah, sure, give us a call sometime as long as it's not on a Sunday. And I, I saw the shutdown. As long as it's not on a Sunday. And we, and we used to do a lot of things together, you know. But then they fell away. We talked about that at Bible study and a few times there are messages about that, about the falling away of the church. So we've got to be careful who we are following. Okay? We can't measure ourselves by ourselves because you don't know what that other person is doing really. I mean, if you hang around with them long enough, the Holy Spirit will show you what they're into and where they're going. Hopefully you'll have enough sense, Holy Spirit says, to pull away. Okay? But, but, but who am I following? Man or are you following God? You can take Jesus as your standard and model and let his expectations be the guiding principles of your life. And you will find that the Holy Spirit will help you to do this. It may not be easy to flow against the currents that are in the general flow of things that are in the church at large or those are around you. But by the grace of God, you can and you will do it. Okay, And when I say the church, I'm talking about the church entirely as the uh, body of Christ. There are some people out there that I stopped ministering, stopped listening to, large ministries, because as time went on and certain things were coming out in terms of who it was they were really, really following and what their doctrine was all about, I could see that nowhere in the Bible does it say that. But those ministries are still flourishing, and they're large, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people, but what, what's being preached as a doctrine is not what the, Holy, what the Word of God says. I stopped listening to them. On TV or wherever. Because you could spot it. You could hear things here and there. Okay? Things that they were, were, were preaching was not in line with the word of God. Okay? So therefore I cannot model Genesis 1 after any one of those. Because then I'm measuring myself by them. And what they're measuring themselves by is not totally in the word, line with the word of God. So if I start using them as a standard, then where do I wind up? I wind up being just like them instead of being just like Jesus. Amen? So, whose standard do you follow? It's never too late. As we heard in the song, come home. It's never too late to come home. No matter how far off track you may have gotten, or no matter how far you feel that you have fallen, it's never too late to come home. God is always standing by just waiting for you to say, Lord, I tripped and I stumbled, or I thought this, I believed this, I went there, I did this, and Lord, I'm just ready to come back to you unabashedly, unshamedly, just, just clean me, cleanse me by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I repent of that. And come home. And come home. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. The individual that was singing that particular song was was caught up in homosexuality for many years. He found the error of his ways through Jesus Christ, and he repented. And that's what he said. If God could save me, then he can save you. He said that in the song. Maybe many don't know his background and so on like that, but that's what he was caught up in. So God can save you no matter what it is that you're involved with or no matter where you may be going or if you've been laboring under false assumptions based on something that you believed or was told or whatever and you were were following a standard that God would not want you to to follow, then just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. 
Okay, but I'm going to unashamedly follow your standard and be guided by you. And, and, and you just have to make up your mind that, and I don't care who they are. I can't stress that enough. Be it your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your nephew, or somebody, your great-grandmother Tilly. No, that's your aunt. Your great-grandmother Rosie. <laughs> I don't care who it might be. If they're coming at you with something that is not in accordance with the word of God, you got to rebuke it. And you got to move on and let them know, I'm sorry, but I'm not going there. The word of God says this. Oh, the word of God also says this. Show me. Show me. Show me where it says that in the word of God. Prove it to me. Okay? And don't be driven by a standard. Well, that's my dad. That's my mom. That's my cousin. That's my aunt. That's my this. That's my sister. And they love me. And I love them. You can still love them. Okay? The fact of the matter really, really is that if you really love them, then you want them to know the truth. Okay? If you really love them. You know? And you can pray for Holy Spirit boldness to do that. You know that someone that you love is constantly, you know, misquoting scripture or leading you someplace else or warning you to do something else. You know? And they expect you to follow their standard. No, I follow Jesus Christ as a standard. There are many times when my wife and I came to the Lord and things like that. We had family and things that, you know, weren't always in agreement. Okay? We didn't go, the, we didn't go, go, go their way. We love you. We still went to dinner with them. Still participated in birthday celebrations and whatnot. But we didn't turn to, to follow their standard. And finally they started realizing and started coming around. Not over to my standard, but over to God's standard. So you've got to be bold. You've got to make up your mind today as you're sitting there. Because come Monday morning, there may be something that will come across your path in terms of something you're praying for, something you're looking for, something that you're hoping for, or some decision that you need to make. You know? God does not let a word go out unintentionally. There's a reason why you're hearing what you're hearing today. All I'm saying to you is that listen to what you've heard. Do some reflection. Do some introspection. Do some thinking. Where, where, where am I in my life? Who am I, who am I following? What false assumptions am I laboring other, under? What false assumptions am I letting my life be guided by? Be they a person, be they a, a process, be they a, a thought process that you're having or whatever's going on in your life. And just ask, whose standard am I following? Okay? People want to, to, to change you to fit into their mold. You better make sure what their mold is all about. Amen? Because that mold will wind up squeezing up on you and shrinking down and, you know? You kind of picture those... We've all seen jello molds, right? Imagine putting some jello in a mold, then all of a sudden the mold shrinking, and just crushing the jello. If we're not careful, that's where we put our lives. If we're letting ourselves be molded by man's wisdom and man's word instead of God. Amen? So I pray this message was a blessing to you. Whose standard are you following? And now before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and our offerings.